Welcome to the Gospel Saves podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. I'm Wade Stanley, an evangelist with the Church of Christ. Please visit thegospelsaves.me for blogs, videos, and Bible studies. You can also find The Gospel Saves on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. An ecclesia represented many different types of assemblies, but one, in particular, applies to the church. In Athens, a call would be sent out to assemble the legislative body, the ecclesia, in order to deliberate. In like manner, God has called his people through the gospel. By divine foreknowledge, God identified those who would, by their own free will, respond by faith to the gospel. They are the called, the ecclesia, the church which he has predestined to receive salvation. Last week's program, we were talking about the Greek word ekklesia. This is the word that English translators will translate church all throughout the New Testament with just a few exceptions. So whenever you see that word church, you can almost guarantee that it's going to be taken from this Greek word ekklesia. And as I was talking about on last week's program, the word ekklesia was used in a few different ways. It was used to to represent a a legislative body in the Greek city-states. I talked a little bit about Athens, how there was a need in the Athenian democracy to bring together a a body of uh, male citizens who could decide on matters related to the state. So the ecclesia was used among the Greeks to denote a body of citizens that were gathered together to discuss the affairs of state. The word ecclesia was also used to describe an, an informal gathering of people, like an assembly or a, a gathering together. Luke uses it in that sense in Acts chapter 19, verse 32, when he calls the mob that is um, assembled in opposition to Paul's preaching, he, he calls them an, an ecclesia. Finally, the word ecclesia was also used to represent people who who shared a belief, a a community, or or a congregation. Philosophers were often said to have an ecclesia. We see the word ecclesia pop up in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, when the congregation of Israel was described as being assembled in one place. And this is the way the word is used over and over and over again in the, the New Testament. The ecclesia is the gathering of God's people together in one place. Now, the New Testament writers use the word ecclesia in both the universal sense to represent all of God's people, but they also use it in the local sense as well to represent uh, individual churches, individual congregations. So, we have churches in our communities here in northern Missouri. They would be considered an ecclesia. But then we have the idea of of the church across the globe, the church universal. And the writers in the New Testament use that word interchangeably. They recognize that there is both a local and a universal body of Christ. As I mentioned on last week's program, that word ecclesia means something different than the word church. The word church comes to us from the German language, which borrowed it from the Greek language, which literally means the the house of the Lord. So you might wonder, well, why didn't the translators just translate this the house of the Lord? As I said, they chose a word that 
is accurate, an accurate description of the church, but they also chose a word that doesn't accurately translate that particular Greek word. And I think we need to bear that in mind, that the word the Holy Spirit chose to use in the Greek language was this word ekklesia, a gathering, an assembly of the body of Christ. Now, you might remember when I was talking about Athens, when they wanted to, to bring the, the ecclesia together, a call would go out, and those male citizens who were available to, to gather together to discuss the affairs of state would come to usually the theater to make these, uh, to participate in these deliberations. And what's interesting about the church, the ecclesia, is that it too has been assembled through a call. It's a call that God has issued to the world. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, Paul says, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a beautiful passage, and I want to pull just a few very key points out. The assembled believers of Jesus, the ecclesia, the church, they possess four general characteristics. Number one, Paul says that the ecclesia, the church, is comprised of those individuals who, out of all humanity, respond in faith to the gospel. In verse 14, Paul says, God has called us by his gospel. And the word gospel simply means good news. It's the, the man, the mission, the message, and the ministry of Jesus Christ. That's the call. And when you respond in faith to that call, you become a part of the ecclesia, part of the church. Paul also says in that verse that the church is sanctified. It is set apart from the rest of humanity by God through Jesus Christ. This is what that word saint means. It means to be sanctified or set apart. And the church is set apart from the rest of the world. Once again, that is reminiscent of the word ecclesia. Only a, a, a small few would gather together to discuss the affairs of state. There were probably 30 to 60,000 male citizens in Athens who were eligible to, to gather together to make these decisions. But in order for them to make a decision, in order for them to have a quorum, they only needed about 6,000. So you had to have 6,000 people respond to the call, and they would become the ecclesia. And you could think of that body as sort of being set aside from the rest, if you will, because they are the ones who responded. Paul also says the church is appointed to receive salvation. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, Luke tells us that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The ecclesia of the church is what God saves. You cannot be saved apart from the church. And then finally, he says in this passage that the church will obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the glory that I think Paul has in mind is the, the glory of the resurrection, that the raising of the dead, the giving of a new body, the giving of a body that uh, can live for all eternity, this is the glory that the church anticipates in Jesus Christ. 
Now, what I find very interesting about 2 Thessalonians 2.13 is that Paul closely ties the idea of being the called of God to the concept of predestination. In 2 Thessalonians 2.13, he says, Because God from the beginning chose you for salvation. Now, predestination can be a, a tricky topic to talk about because there is a lot of misinformation that's out there in the religious community. I'd like to offer you my particular point of view here, and, and let's bear in mind that talking about predestination is just helping us appreciate what it means to be a part of the Lord's people, of, of God's ecclesia. In Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30, Paul says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Notice in that verse that predestination is predicated on foreknowledge. God foreknows who he will save. And we can see several examples of this, particularly in the book of Acts and some of the conversion experiences. For example, in Acts chapter 8, Philip is sent to preach the gospel to an Ethiopian eunuch who's riding along in his chariot on his way home, reading from Isaiah chapter 53. Philip preaches to this Ethiopian eunuch. He is uh, convicted by what Philip has to say. He confesses that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he is baptized for the remission of his sins. How did God know to send Philip to this Ethiopian eunuch? Well, God foreknew something about this man, that this man would respond in faith. What about the case of, of Paul himself in Acts chapter 9? We find out from Galatians chapter 1 that Paul was persuaded through the revelation he'd been given to Jesus Christ that Jesus had set him aside from his mother's womb to carry out this very special duty of ministering the gospel to the Gentile world. Paul was set apart from his mother's womb for this very special duty, and God called him in a very special way on the road to Damascus. I believe God foreknew that Paul was going to play this role, and thus he made a way for Paul to be converted. You see, in Acts chapter 16, Paul receives this, this vision where he's invited to come over to Macedonia and share the gospel with them. And he goes over to Macedonia, spends some time in Philippi, and, and meets Lydia, preaches the gospel to her. He's thrown into jail. He preaches the gospel to his jailer. Both of their households are converted. Now, why was Paul called to Macedonia? Well, it appears to me that God knew there were souls in Macedonia who would respond to Paul's gospel preaching. In Acts chapter 18, Jesus appears to Paul in a vision and encourages Paul to stay in Corinth for a time because, in Jesus' words, he has many people there. I understand that to mean that uh, Jesus believed that there were many people in Corinth who would respond to the preaching of Paul. In each of these cases, I think we see God's foreknowledge at work. God foreknew that these people would respond in faith, and so he made a way for the good news of Jesus to be preached to them. God foreknew those souls, and he called them by his gospel. And this, to me, is God's the concept of God's predestination at work.
We also notice in Romans chapter 8 that those who respond to the call are, are given a special name. They're called the elect. In Romans 8 verse 33, Paul asks the question, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Well, who are the elect? If you, well, if you look at that second sentence in Romans 8.33, Paul says, it is God who justifies. If you track back a couple of verses to verses 29 and 30, Paul says those who are justified are called and predestined by the foreknowledge of God. Who are the elect? Well, they are those who God justifies. They are those who God calls. They are those who are predestined and they are predestined by the foreknowledge of God. And the church is called God's elect. And all that word elect means is God's chosen people. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, Peter says that the church is elect according to the foreknowledge of God. In the second chapter, verse 9, Peter says you are a chosen generation. In 2 John chapter 1, verse 1, John greets the elect lady and her children, which is just a, another way of greeting the church. What is the church? Well, the church is the chosen people of God. The ecclesia are those who chose him. And he, by his foreknowledge, chose us because we would choose him. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 4, that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He chose us for salvation, and we are his chosen people. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will. Oh,